Welcome to the Conscious Masculine Lab. I'm your host, Charles Osborne. Get ready to unleash the power within as we navigate the realms of masculinity, dive into the depths of consciousness, and embark on a transformational journey to truly redefine what it means to be a man. Get ready to amplify your potential and embrace the conscious evolution of the masculine spirit. This is not just another podcast. It's a laboratory for the modern man, ready to forge his path with purpose and authenticity. Welcome to the Conscious Masculine Lab. Welcome to another episode of the Conscious Masculine Lab. We are cooking it up for you today, brothers and sisters. And this is a wonderful opportunity to connect in with a powerful man that's in front of me. I've been feeling into his warrior energy and into his lover energy so strong, the heartbeat of this man in front of me, Kyle Van Swoe. Welcome, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Happy what, to be here. <laughs> what's alive in you today? What's alive in me today? Really, for me, I've been in this process of, of really discovering all of these parts and layers within myself. Um, these these really deep-rooted emotions that stem back all the way through childhood and kind of replaying all of the events in my life uh, up until now and just kind of, I've been taking inventory of my journey thus far as a man and as a human being in this existence on this planet um, and just taking inventory. Um, and also, as I take inventory, I'm trying to figure out how do I... Um, the seeds that I've planted, the lessons I've learned, how do I allow those to grow and permeate and trickle down to people in my community, you know, in my work that I'm doing with, with men as my men's work is growing. So yeah, really what's alive and present is like, oh, how do we, how, how do I just feel? How do I feel all of these emotions? And how do I, how do I figure out the stories behind them and, and all the things that, that come Come with the stories, the shame, the guilt, the grief, the the lessons. And how can I how can I learn from them? How can I apply them every day moving forward? Um, that's alive. That's really present. I've been been reading a lot lately. Reading a lot about about the patriarchy. Reading a lot about the societal norms that have been stemmed upon us since early boyhood. And I'm been been sifting through how do how do I dismantle myself from from these expectations that society has put on me and that I have ultimately put on myself, which inevitably causes harm to me, to others, see it in my family. Um, yeah, so I'm hearing you really be present with yourself. Absolutely. And within that presence, you're exploring the depths of who you are as a man and this emotion container that you're diving into is kind of like a springboard almost for so many different things, right? Like it's, how am I feeling? And then what are the stories? What are the influences? What is the impact of mm -hmm. all of that? Absolutely. And, and then how can I consciously construct and understand and feel and guide and move and influence 
and you mentioned um, wanting that to be a part of your men's work as well. And so has that really deep dive that you've been doing into emotions and the stories and all of that, has some of that sprung out of this men's work that you've been doing? Absolutely. Um, what's been really fruitful for me is I'm working with more men. And as I am discovering and unraveling the layers and, and parts of myself, I'm able to now see it in my brothers and in my sisters and just people that I interact with in a day to, on a day-to-day basis in, in simple things like communication and body language. And so when I see it, now I'm, I'm, I'm calling it out. And so I'll see somebody get stuck in, emotion, in, in an emotion and I'm like, hey, do you want to explore that? I have space. Like, I can hold a little space for you. Like, what's, what's there? What's behind you? the pause in your sentence? What's, I can see that where there's some uh, fright, or, fright or flight stuck in the body. And I'm able to kind of tune in energetically and see these things. And so, and so now that I'm comfortable in, in discovering those parts of myself where I'm like, okay, like, when something arises similar in me, I can recognize it in another and so, yeah, and now I'm able to, to simply just hold space and, and inquire. Yeah. I, Something I want to do continuously, because there's, there's us who have been doing this work for some time, and then there are those who have no association with that whatsoever. And so some of these terms, I want to continue to be clear on those. So when you talk about holding space for somebody in that way, Mm-hmm. If somebody is new to this, how would you explain that to them? Yeah, so space holding for me is simply just allowing there to be a, a breath or a pause with a feeling of a sense of ease. So when I say I'm able to hold space for you, that doesn't mean that I'm going to fix your problem. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean I'm going to try to come up with a solution. That means you are free to express whatever is, is, is moving in you. And I will listen wholeheartedly without judgment. And I will follow up and inquire afterwards and ask if you need advice or if you just need somebody to, you need an ear, you need somebody to just hear you. Or if you, yeah, do you want to come up with a solution together? But yeah, in terms of, of space holding, yeah, what it really is is just taking a step back and, and, and seeing, really seeing, taking the time to see the other person that's in front of you, recognizing the human that's in front of you is merely just a reflection of you. Mm, That's very profound and deep. So you're really seeing them through this um, accepting, welcoming, connecting type of way where they could just emote themselves. Mm -hmm. And and I'm seeing them. Let all of that out. Absolutely. And I'm seeing them through my own personal lens. So when I look at people, I'm like, "Have have I been there before? Have I felt this feeling? What was that like for me? And how can I resonate with this human and their experience? How can I how can I be with them in their feeling? Because I've more than likely probably felt this feeling before. Yeah. As you were growing up, was that something that was modeled to you, this idea of holding space? Or has that become something that's new? Um, you got a big smile <laughs> on your face. Yeah. Um, my, the home I grew up in didn't allow for a lot of space holding didn't allow for my emotions to be to be loud, to be big, to even be felt. If my emotions were were present, they were often dismissed as as burdensome. Mm. And I think it's hard for parents when they're raising children, especially young boys. You know, we have a lot of we have a lot of 
emotions that come up. A lot of uh, so many big emotions as as when when we're growing up, the rage, the anger, that's when the testosterone starts to hit when we're going through puberty. Like there's there's so much happening somatically in the body that we're not necessarily taught what to do with. And so it's expressed in ways like anger or rage or even like for, for me a lot of it was being loud and joyful and boisterous and that was silenced oh, wow. when i was a child i was often told be quiet kyle too much too loud i'm mm. like okay well i'm having to suppress a side of myself then i'm having to lock a part of, part away because it's unacceptable uh, suppress a side of myself mm-hmm and so there was a lot of that, was a lot of that in my home. Um, yeah, feelings were never necessarily discussed. And if they were, it was surface level and often told that you'll be fine, get over it. What so, do you feel like the impact was for you as you've become a man um, experiencing that? And how were you able to tap into this place now where you're actually able to feel and connect with your emotions and see the stories behind them? Yeah. That's a whole, that's a whole, I'd have to take you from back to the beginning, mm. Charles. That's my entire life. It's taken my entire life of experience in, in learning um, to be able to access these emotions. And so, yeah, I guess to take you back, like I, I was raised by, I was raised by a single mother. Um, my dad was present, but not necessarily like a- around. He he kind of played more of the the friend role rather than the father figure role in our relationship. And you know, I'd spend time with him on the weekends and, and every now and then. But I, I didn't get that fatherly presence that I really longed for uh, as a kid. And so, yeah, I grew up with a single mother until about eight, and then she met a man, and then um, he got a job offer in Austin, Texas. And he asked my mom, hey, I got a job. Do you want to move? And she said, yes. And so we uprooted. We uprooted and I left the entire biological, uh, my parental side of the family. So you can imagine what that does to a child when you're uprooted from a parent. And not to mention, like, my dad was African-American. And so I was kind of stripped away from this black identity. Mm, you were stripped away from this black identity. Yes. And so here I am, this mixed race kid being raised by two white people in the suburbs of Austin, Texas. And in the midst of these, and in between that, they had two two kids of their own, my, my brother and sister, who I claim to be whole siblings. I love them with my whole heart and helped raise them myself. Uh, they're near and dear to me, and I love watching them grow. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a tough upbringing. Um, because I, I never knew where I fit in. And so throughout the course of my life, it was this constant searching for something to cling to that was outside of, my, outside of myself. And I think for me, I was always trying to you know, fit in where I fit in. And, and I always wanted to be liked. And moving around so often as a kid, I often had to make friends, always. And so I was always abandoning and then making new friends and then abandoning them and making new friends. Uh, we moved around a lot. My dad worked in oil and gas. Um, so he still does to this day, but, um, we lived in Alaska for a couple of years, uh, moved back to Austin and then uprooted again and moved to Houston. And so in between all that, in between our move from Austin to Houston, I, I lost my biological father, um, mm-hmm. at age 12 
and lost him to suicide. He was sick. Wow. Um, he suffered from bipolar disorder, and that ultimately, you know, he didn't take his meds. And so that ultimately, it, it took him. He couldn't. Um, yeah. He couldn't deal with the sickness. And I'm really sorry. That must have been very difficult. For it, you. it was tough. It was really tough. And it happened mm-hmm. at 12. And a month after that, we we moved. We uprooted from all the childhood, all my childhood friends in Austin, people I grew up with from elementary school. And yeah, I got hit with this news. Hey, your dad passed away, and we're moving. And mm-hmm. so that was kind of a very pivotal point in my life. I became I became very angry. There is a darkness, a shadow within me that really just unleashed itself and clouded, clouded every move, every, every, every thought. I was angry. I was angry at the world. I was angry at God. I was angry at my dad. I was angry at my mom. I was angry at everybody. Yeah. So I felt abandoned. It's like, how can my yeah. dad leave his only son here in mm. this world? Like, that sucks. It doesn't feel good. Absolutely. Um, that must have been super challenging. Absolutely. And so, uh, yeah, I went through the world angry from, from 16 to 23, 24. Having uprooted and moved to Houston, I made friends and kind of played sports and stuff all throughout high school. And, you know, I had a good, I had a good community around me. But still, I was still in this, in this behavior pattern of, of trying to belong, trying to find identity. And I never could find things I liked. I just kind of did things that I thought I was supposed to do. And yeah, had this, had this kind of pick me attitude and, and was people pleasing. And I just remember being so angry and, and, and lost. And so I was just constantly seeking things outside of myself. And so, you know, with that at 16, I think that's when I I started drinking, started drinking at 16. Um, And that just started to it just got worse and worse as the years went by. When I got to college, um, I really heavily relied on on alcohol to numb all, a lot of the pain that I was feeling. Um, became dependent on a number of substances, you know, sex, pornography, weed, women, relationships, anything to fill the holes in me that I couldn't fill myself. Um, and this was all happening while you were in college. Yeah. Yeah, that was happening in college. And yeah, I think as a boy, yeah, I was just really angry and I wasn't allowed to feel my feelings. I wasn't allowed to be emotional. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to be vulnerable. And so, and I often would seek comfort in, in, in friendships, but also in women too. I would use them to, to find parts of myself kind of selfishly, not kind of, like selfishly, but it was subconscious. I don't think I necessarily knew what I was doing, but when I'm now, now that I'm older (laughs) and I can look back at my past behaviors, I'm able to see that, oh, you were, you know, moving in a way that was out of integrity and was just, you know, just seeking to belong. and From a different consciousness level. Absolutely. You're able to look back on that and see the impact of really how those connections were manipulative and, you know, selfish and all those other type of things like that. So how did you find your way out of that, those patterns? Yeah. Yeah. When I think of these like milestone moments in my life, I think of what I was doing, my behaviors, my patterns, and it took other people 
holding me accountable for my actions. It took other people sitting me down and looking me in the face and saying, hey, Kyle, the way you're moving is harmful and it's not okay. And we're concerned. We're con- I'm concerned about your behavior because I love you. You're not, you're not acting in, in, to your highest potential. You're not, you're not rising up to your, your greatest good. And you're going to hurt yourself. And you're going to continue to hurt other people if you keep moving this way. And so it took numerous wake-up calls from really important people and, honestly, really important women in my life. My greatest teachers in this life, Charles, are the women that have held me accountable and held me to their high standard of loving them. I would not be able to, to move the way that I do. I would not be able to interact with the world the way that I do now if I hadn't gotten those lessons from the women in my life. Um, Such power in that divine feminine to call, call us into a higher level of being. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've learned that the feminine, the feminine they, do, they do everything, Charles. They do everything for us. They lay, they lay the landscape for us to garden in. Every move that we make is done with the subconscious thought in the back of our head with, with the feminine in mind, with our women in mind. You think you, you can take it all the way back to our ancestors. Even my ancestors are from ancient Egypt, and I, have, I think of the women who were um, the wives of the pharaohs. They were pulling all the strings the whole time. You think of the first lady in the White House. She's in the presidency. You're kind of planting yeah. seeds. I would agree with that. So everything that we do is, is, is I, I really feel that it's cultivated by, by the feminine. Mm. And, and the, really the decisions that we make, it's, it's really them. Yeah, but you still have to have the ear to hear and the heart to receive it and make the choices yourself. Absolutely. And that's where the masculine comes into play. We have to take action and make decisions. There's always a decision that we can make in life. Always. At least two, right? At least two decisions. So is the decision that you're going to make, is it going to be in your best integrity? Or are you going to take the easy way out? Mm. Yeah. Every day we're faced with that one. That's powerful. Can you repeat that one more time? Oh, goodness. It's already, it's already gone. What did I? We're going to live in our highest integrity or are we going to take the easy way out? Yes. Are you going to take the easy way out? Yeah. Or live in your highest that's, integrity? That's, Those are your decisions. Those that's are, worth repeating right there. That's the fork in the road. Always. Yeah, the fork yeah. in the road of life is your integrity and the easy way. Yeah. Am I just going to fill, fill the hole, fill the void, watch TV, eat a burger? Or am I going to go to the gym and, or read a book, meditate, do my practices, talk to my ancestors, do, yeah. my, do my rituals, do the things yeah. that give me life and fill my cup. And, and it's not about purpose. shame or guilt, but it's about living in your highest self. Absolutely. And connecting into the things that matter the most. So you, you had this call from the Divine Feminine calling you out on your patterns, on all of your things. And so that had an effect on you. You were able to make some shifts. Probably not overnight. These came with time, right? A journey. There it, was a dance there. It's been... What was that like? It's been years. It's been 
spent years of, of, of learning these lessons from, from the women in my life. I learned the most, I've learned the most in my life as a man through my relationships and the way that I was showing up in them, in my, in my patterning. And so the relationships that I've had with women over time, you know, I, I was acting in ways that was, yeah, that was selfish. And my, like this little boy, this, this wounded boy would, would come through and my ego would, would come into play and I would want to control and dominate and want to want to create all the rules and want things to be my way. And I would have these expectations. And when they weren't met, I would just, I would, I would re react. And it feels so foreign to me now. It's, it's so revisiting it. It's, it's just like, I can't believe that I, I allowed my nervous system to be so dysregulated that I would respond so emotionally high. Um, yeah. There's also this understanding with compassion too of, I mean, you went through a ton as you were coming up, you know, constantly being ungrounded. That had to have a dramatic effect on your nervous system. Um, disconnected from this masculine energy that you so longed for, this continuous letting go and reestablishing, letting go and reestablishing, um, and continuing in that kind of fight or flight stage of any time you come into a new place, it's, is this safe? Mm -hmm. Are they going to like me? What do I need to do here to be liked? And, and continuing to be in that and then having, going through the substances where that has a dramatic effect on all of your body, the weed, the alcohol, the connections, all of those type of things. And so, you know, with a bit of compassion and self-love, like it's understandable how, you would find yourself in that place, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the willingness to open up and to see all of that and let that register and be like, man, that's, that was trauma, right? Like, you know, of course that's my journey and that's my life, but also there was trauma there. And, you know, anytime there's trauma, there's certain landmines that we can step on that would cause triggers, and then there's a visceral reaction in our body, and we don't control that. That's just living there. And so navigating that is is part of the work, right? Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's it's such an integral part of the work. Um, def, I, yeah, I definitely, that was my patterning for so long in, in all of my relation in all my relationships early from high school, from high school, even, even up until 25, 26 years old, even a few years ago, I was still suffering from the same patterning. And what I realized is that I was I was trying I was trying to look outside of myself to be validated. I was trying to be validated and built whole by my partners. I was putting that expectation on them and I put them on pedestals. And so whenever they would fall off, then I would be upset or I would shut down or I wouldn't or resentment would build. But I never shared these things. I never communicated these things. And a lot of my patterning in relationship revolves around communication. And whenever I would be, you know, whenever, whenever I had a partner who would sit me down and say, hey, like, we need to talk about something like this is bothering me, I would immediately react like that little boy and get defensive and clam up and, be, and spin it on them and say, I would get defensive. And I wouldn't take ownership. And I wouldn't take accountability. And mm -hmm. the patterning is those people would leave after a certain point. Because I wasn't holding them in the way that they needed to be contained. I wasn't, 
I wasn't this divine masculine man. I wasn't, I wasn't a representation of what it, of what it means to be safe. And how can you soften into something that, or into someone that can't even soften into themselves? And so I was constantly called up by these women and they would show me my patterning they would look at me and they'd say, Hey, this, what you're doing, like, this is, isn't meeting my needs. This isn't okay. Like grow up. And oftentimes I, I couldn't, I couldn't get there. I couldn't get myself to, to do it. And so they would leave and then I'd be devastated and go through these cycles of, Oh, I'm lonely. And people would just abandon me and nobody likes me. Woe was me. I played the victim, lone wolf, just blaming everybody but myself. And in between all that, you know, my drinking increased. I was being promiscuous and sleeping around and, again, trying to fill those, fill those voids. And it got to a point where I just I kept having these wake-up calls and people kept telling me things about my behavior. And I had to take a look at myself in the mirror one day and say, we're done. Mm. We need to bury these, these versions of Kyle. We need, to, we need to figure out why we can't communicate. We need to figure out why we can't see our partner in their, in their, um, in their struggles and in, in relationship, and realize that it's not about you. And you know, why are you taking these things personally? It's not about you. It's about the relationship. Your team supposed to work together. It's not. It's not me fighting you. It's us fighting the problem together. But I always just took things personally, Charles, <sighs> and I couldn't give my ego. <laughs> Couldn't let go. Couldn't let go of the stories. And all that stems from like early childhood and watching my parents communicate poorly, so poorly. To this day, they communicate poorly. I listen to them and I'm like, what are y'all, y'all aren't even hearing each other or listening at all. And you wonder why you're miserable. <laughs> mm. And so it also got to a point where I was like, I refuse to be my parents. And I refuse to be my parents for so many years. While still enacting the same patterns, I became them. I became what I vowed not to be. I became, I was, I was a textbook, quote unquote, toxic masculine man or unhealthy masculine man. I don't necessarily like the term toxic masculinity. It's, I, but there are forms of it that are incredibly toxic and I fit yeah. your textbook definition of it. You know, I was, I was a fuck boy. I was a player. I, I was selfish in the way that I moved. I've been manipulative, been coercive. I've been, I've been the abuser. I've been abused. I've, mm. I've, I've been. I've, That's a I've, such. I want to hold on that for just one second, and I think that that understanding right there, that one statement that you made at the end, if if more men could hold on to that, that could potentially be the little break, the chink in the armor that would you know, start the whole cascade of work that needs to happen. Absolutely, because then and, you recognize that it's all, it's all trauma. It's and it's all like stuff. You, you said, I have abused and I've been abused. I've hurt people and, and I have been hurt. Absolutely. And, and that one thing right there to me is like the linchpin that it's like, oh, now I have work to do now. Understanding that, I have hurt people and I have been hurt. Now the work begins, right? Yeah. It got to a point where I had to look at myself and I had to look at the way I was moving as a man and 
I had to recognize, I had to look at the things that I had that I had done to people and the way that I that I had hurt people in my life. And also in turn, I had to look at the way that that I was raised and the things that I had been through, the things that I've seen and experienced that were unhealthy and and hurtful. And and find compassion and grace for myself and forgive myself. That's the catalyst, is getting to the point of forgiving yourself and not playing the victim anymore. Because if you can't forgive yourself... Yeah, you're stuck in guilt and shame, which is such a low level on the consciousness map. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So it's been a journey. It's been a journey for sure. So now you have this this greater awareness of all of those things, which also gives rise to conscious creation and the ability to build what you want to. And you're a young man. You just turned 30, just had a birthday, right? Sure did. And healthy, strong, handsome, great energy. You know, you're in college right now. So you have this path set out in front of you. You're doing the work with men. What is this that you're creating right now? What yeah. Is this new version. So this new version of Kyle or this? The whole picture. The whole the, picture. The whole picture. Yeah, I think so. I've learned a lot in the past few years in my, my spiritual journey and my spiritual growth and do, doing my ritualistic practice practices. I practice a form of shamanism. Um, so I really, really am in connection with nature and the elements and I really try to tune into all the things that are happening around us at all times. If there's a bird flying above me, I'm like, I try to look for some sort of sign from the universe or if there's a shift in the wind, I listen to it. Um, but I also work with the elements too. I do fire ceremonies. I work with water to cleanse. I work with the earth, the ground, right? And the air. Um, and so what's, what's cooking for me is, um, I'm, I'm on this path of, of really leaning into my men's work. I currently have a men's circle that I do once a month and probably start doing it twice a month. Now people are, you know, asking for more, more circles. Um, but what I'm currently building is, um, just more more workshops for men. I want to gather the men in our community together and do the kind of work that I have been doing for so long. I want to do the parts work. I want to explore our shadows. I want to go out into the woods and, and get into the river and yell and scream and, and make fire from scratch and camp and like do some survivalist um, initiations with the men, um, start doing retreats. Um, so that's all, all in the works right now. It's currently what I'm what I'm building for 2024. Um, but yeah, I'm about to graduate with my MBA in healthcare organization and leadership in May. Um, currently Congratulations. Work- thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Currently working in healthcare. So it's nice to be able to serve in that way too. Um, so that, that career is growing. I'm not quite sure what it's going to necessarily turn into. Um, but yeah, the goal is really graduate in May and, and continue to, to, to build the, build all the men's things around me. So as these men are interacting in this circle, what does that kind of look like? And what are they, um, what has kind of been their response to that? Yeah. So what I do is I cultivate, I just, I cultivate a safe space for us to explore our feelings, to explore our vulnerabilities. And so I allow anything that may be present on the mind to be presented to the circle. Um, I also come up with, with topics as well, every, every circle that we meet. So I'll, I'll set the space 
and we'll kind of go around the circle and do opening shares, some check-ins, just seeing how everybody is doing, and then I'll pose a pose a topic. And the circle, these circles are really cool because they really just create themselves. While I am a facilitator, I try to have everybody in the room also facilitate in their own way as well, because each circle is different. I don't want them to be the same every single time because I want there to be different nuggets that we find. And of course, there's going to be different people every time as well. Um, so what I'll do is I'll pose a topic. Sometimes I don't have a topic. I'm just like, what's present? Let's talk about it. And if something you know strikes a chord, we can we'll, we'll go down a rabbit hole together and explore. And one thing that I really like to do that I think is unique from a lot of circles that I've been a part of or seen is I probe. I'm the I I take the initiative to explore the emotions in others. So if somebody's talking about something something where I may see an emotional charge in them or something behind the eyes, I'll pause them. I'll say, hey, I want to pause you there. What's behind that, that word or that phrase you just said? What's I saw your eyes light up. What? Tell me more about that. I don't want to hear the story anymore. I want to hear about the feeling. And so often when we, when we get there, when we get to the feeling, we can go down the rabbit hole of them. And then sometimes we even get to the root and we heal trauma. Mm, that sounds delicious. It is. It's a lovely soup. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But that's my thing, man. I'm all about like, I I'm all about allowing men the space to just fucking feel. Like, mm. f- please feel feel these feel these feelings. I was sitting with a brother the other day over coffee, and he was sharing with me his story, and his whole body got really tense so tense and he couldn't he he couldn't find the words or the feelings and i was just like hey like like it's okay to feel it's okay to cry too please like please do it if you need to like i'm i am i'm here i'm not gonna judge you i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say anything i'm not gonna tell you how to act or behave or try to fix your issue but like you need like please you need to feel this Otherwise, you're going to be stuck. And for me, like, I refuse to be. St- I can't. I cannot live a life where I get stuck in emotion anymore. And so when I see other men get stuck, I'm like, oh, like, let's crack that open, please. Yeah. I think the image that was coming to me was almost of like a captain of a ship. And you're navigating in through these storms in the calm waters and away from the rocks and calling out things and seeing things and, you know, just holding these men, holding this container for them to do the work. And um, it's really being on the forefront right now because this is, this is busting open at the seams right now. And, and I don't know if you've kind of felt this collective call into this work, but this is, you know, there, there are some who are answering the call and that takes a lot of courage. So for you to take everything that you've been through, all of that wisdom and that knowledge, and then connect it in and use your intuition in that way to just find those areas, those sm- small little things where you can point out like, oh, I see this, I see that, I feel this in you. Like, how can you, how can you cultivate that and bring that out? And that leads to expansion and excavating and peeling layers and then that man that's before you he he walks out of that space a new man you know after being on that ship 
And going on that journey, he steps back onto land and he's greeting his family from a whole new perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the beauty. And I think to take that even further, once you get off the ship, I find that the hard part for me, and I see this in, in a lot of others, is, the in, is integrating the work afterwards. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people don't take the time to really integrate the work that they're doing. And what does that mean, integrating the So when work? I say integrate, say I, so if, say I learn a lesson, say I'm on the ship and I've learned how, how to sail, to hoist the sails, and I get off the ship and I take a month off and I haven't sailed and I want to get back on. If I haven't integrated my lessons, if I haven't taken the time to study, to practice, I'm not going to remember how to sail. I'm not going to remember what I'm doing. And so when you're integrating work like, like deep parts work, when we're discovering emotions, the integration piece is whenever that emotion comes up again, when you're off the ship, am I going to react? Am I, which fork in the road am I going to take? Which decision? Am I going to do it with integrity and apply the lesson that I learned? And, and regulate my nervous system and get my ego in check? Or am I going to take the easy way out and respond like a little boy and take it personally and make an assumption and ignore it? So integrating is all about taking what we've learned about ourselves and applying it to the highest degree of our highest consciousness moving forward in life. Yeah, and that brings it into the everyday sphere where it really has an impact on mm-hmm. relationships, on desires, on connections, on health, on mindset, on all the things. Yeah. So integration is about really living it. Yes, walking your walk. Yeah. Walking your talk. Yeah. Practicing what you preach. Yeah. And I think that's important, especially when you start doing work like this. You know, we're, we're doing men's work, and so part of us, part of our job is acting and, and walking with integrity and practicing what we preach. Yeah, and the brotherhood extends beyond and helps, you know, hold space and support beyond that one event where the lesson was learned like that. That has to continue to be a part of that sort of tribal mindset in order to have really good integration, you know, um, to have the brothers with you when you need it. Mm-hmm. When you need to be reminded of that warrior spirit to have the courage to make that choice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, th- I think having having other people, especially brothers and men around, to just simply share perspective, um, there's so much we can learn from just listening to other people. And that's part of the integration too, is listening to other people's experiences. If you've been through something similar, because while I have a story on my head of what I've been through, you may have been through the same thing and you may have a different perspective about it that may change my, pers- my whole perspective on it or at least plant another seed in, in my garden that is that perspective for it to grow and expand. Um, so there's great power in, in sharing all these things with, yeah. with others. So with that, I want to kind of close up with the continue that seed analogy. What are some wonderful seeds that you would like to plant into our listeners right now if a man's listening to you and he's saying oh, i need some seeds brother yeah what are some seeds one seed i've learned one big seed that i planted i planted the seed last year was living my life in the fullest authentic expression that i can and for me one big pattern that i had to 
get rid of was my people pleasing and abandoning abandoning my no to serve others. So coming to the really figuring out where I'm spreading myself thin as a man, am, and am I succumbing not only to myself and my desires, but am I succumbing to the feminine? Am I am I abandoning myself to give other people what they want and need? Mm. And I found a lot of times that I was. Am I abandoning myself to give other people what they want and need? How selfish. <laughs> yeah. Because you're not even giving them what they need because it's not authentic. Mm. Right? And so one big seed that I would, I would, I would plant is, is honor, honor your boundaries and stay, stay true to them and really figure out where your, where your no is, where your no is in your body. I think there are times where our intuition can come into play. We get a bodily somatic feeling and we ignore it because we're scared that we're going to upset some people or for me, at least I won't speak for everybody, but I get scared that I'm going to upset people. And so I'll often do things um, that are abandoning to what I really, really need and desire. So that's a beautiful seed. And you plant that seed and you let it nourish it, water it, let it grow. That could be a solid tree, right? Especially if you're younger, learning that lesson younger, you know, will save a ton because it keeps you in alignment. If you know who you are, truly, wholly, you're going to save yourself a lot of time and energy in, in life in the journey of life, just even making decisions. If you, if you know your integrity and your authenticity and you're acting from a place of honesty, the decisions that you make are going to be easier because they're for your greatest good. And if they're for your greatest good, they're for everybody else in your circle's greatest good too because they should love and support you, right? And so those that are for us will find us and stay with us. And I think that if we're acting in our integrity and our authenticity and our highest consciousness, all the things that are good, all the things that are for us, they will come, they will arrive. And sometimes it takes patience. And I think we lack that as human beings. And that's a hard one. It's just giving it time, giving things space, allowing things to breathe and simply be, simply just be. The seed I want to plant is I want, I, I would love for, for other men including myself, I try to do this always, to connect with that inner boy, the inner child, that childlike wonder that, for me, I always loved running through the woods as a kid and climbing trees. And I think at, I don't think I know, at, at some point in life, us men, us boys, were, were silenced at some point. We were told that we couldn't be loud. We were told that we couldn't run as fast as we wanted to. We couldn't wrestle. We couldn't roughhouse. We couldn't, we couldn't be boys. And we were put into boxes. We were put into these societal expectations that are placed upon us by the patriarchy. Um, we were told that we have to go to college and get a job and raise a family and provide and do all of these things that aren't necessarily true to ourselves. We have to put our passions and our hobbies aside in order to, to play this monopoly game of life, which seems to me like... It just it, it, it steals so much humanity from us. And so the seed I would plant is, is I w would love for men to be able to get back to where they found themselves to be lost. 
at what point did you lock that little boy away? At what do you still have that childlike wonder? Do you still play? And if not, how do we get you to? But I think remembrance of that is is important, incredibly, to remind us of our humanity. We're animals, Charles. At the end of the day, that's all we are. We're animals with consciousness. We're able to talk and have these conversations, and they're beautiful. But getting back to our primal nature and, and exploration and curiosity and asking questions and asking why. Why do I even think the way that I do? Why do I have this opinion? That childlike wonder, those things. I think a return to that is necessary for us to evolve and for us to hold containers for ourselves and others. So if you can't hold the container for yourself, you're not going to be able to hold it for anybody else. Wonderful. I love that seed. Return to play. Yes. Remember. Remember who you are. Absolutely. Return to play. Yeah. Yes. I want that right now. Yeah, man. Go roll around on the ground. <laughs> I did. Um, I was at a retreat in Circle doing some shadow work. Mm -hmm. And I would processed through everything, some deep stuff. And the facilitator asked, what do you want now? What do you want to do now? And I said, I want to play tag. Mm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and he was like, all right. And I was like, tag, you're it. Boom. <laughs> and about 12 men, grown men, running around in the forest playing tag. I love it. And it, it took the energy from that place of just, you know, doing that dark, hard work to this childlikeness. And it was just fun. And all of our hearts were up and we we're racing and breathing and we came all back together and we were all like, yes, and tag, man, that was awesome. And so I totally align with that 100%. And I think that's a super powerful seed. Thank you so much for sharing those. Kyle, thank you so much for being here, man. You have lit up my world today. Um, so fun, so connecting. And I'm excited to see what you're building and what you're going to build. And I think that you're, you're on the path, you're doing the work, and thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you, Charles. Thanks for having me, man. This is great. I love that. I love that you're bringing the men together to do this kind of stuff as well and doing the work that you do. It's admirable. So, yeah, I see you in your, I see you in your divine masculine. I see you in your integrity. And I see, you, I see your spirit. And it's quite strong and quite grounded. And I have a lot of reverence for you. And... It's rare that I say that about, about men in my life because I really, I see a lot of men move without integrity um, and, and I see that. And so I don't say things like this lightly. So I just want to share that I see you and I respect you and continue doing the work as well. You're doing a good job. I received that. Thank you.